Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Radio with Brendan Robinson. Who's the number one journalist around when it's going down? You know his name when he hit the town. You want the scoop, better get Brandon. Sports interviews, the only way you understand it. Real talk with the top news. Court side to the locker room. He's the voice for the NBA. Drafts, trades, the finals, he gonna find a way. He's on top, he don't never fall. Some call him Scoop, some call him Mr. Basketball. And ain't nobody else in his lane. Just know it's no doubt, he's the best in the game. Radio, TV, podcast, Scoop B. I said radio, TV, podcast, Scoop B. I said Scoop B Radio. In the car. Everywhere you need to be. Planes, trains, and automobiles. All that. Make sure to subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast on all streaming platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, iHeartRadio, Scoopy Radio. Gets 20 million streams annually. And one of the reasons why is because we bring newsmakers in the building. No different as we have my main man, Pots and Pants, Pan in the Ass. Joins my us. family. Yes, family. sir. Bro, listen, he pulled over in the car. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got I got I got pulled over and then I pulled over to do this interview. It's, it's like, you know, coincide both things going on at once. So, you know, when I give him a license and registration, I'm going to tell him I'm a Scoopy podcast right now. You need to back up right here. That's that's official. They they're gonna let you go. You don't need your your, your PBA sticker. Well, Just, this is the PBA card. This is the PBA card right here. Yo, I'm on Scoopy Radio. Listen, anybody out there, if you get pulled over, just tell them you, you're listening or you're gonna be on Scoopy Radio. And and I. This is Scoopy Radio. It's so it's it's just that easy. That easy. That easy. I like it. I like it, brother. Um, you, know, you got connections like yourself, you know. Likewise, and and listen, I believe it was um. The great Jay-Z that said, um, like Con, Con Edison flow, we're connected to a higher power. Amen. Perfect Amen. segue there. 27 years of a reasonable doubt. It looks like, like uh, uh, aliens are coming to abduct me. Somebody's pulling out in front of me. Pause. Uh-oh. 
no. It's all good. Listen, no, it's all good. Listen, you're listening to Scoopy Radio, so you're not going to have any problems. But 27 years, reasonable yes. doubt, today. Yes. Today? Um, where were you sitting when this whole album was a concept? Well, I mean, uh, I started off as an intern in the label, like, earlier in that year. So, like, around January, February, I came over, and, um, you know, this was his own record company it wasn't it was very rare back then for an artist to have his own record label you you were signed to to Def Jam or you were signed to Cold Chillin or Electra or whatever so this was a a, a different kind you know it was a rarefied air because the artist was there on a daily basis so I started interning there and um you know Jay would be up there every single day as his label he's he's running the day-to-day operations along with Damon and Biggs so it was very much, you know, hands on. We would I was dealing with them on a daily basis. And this album was in the works. It actually had been recorded already. A lot of the stuff had been recorded already to the fact that to the point that um, I was on the street team and I was handing out these snippet tapes. So it was Dead President, you know, was a single. But the B-sides back then before it was Ain't No No, it was four songs that were like little snippets. It was feeling it. Um, can I live? And can't knock the hustle, but with a different lyrics on there. He was rhyming about like battling somebody. I ain't trying to diss yours, young blood, get yours. You know, I get mine. Think of any plans, but you want the drama. If you ever violate, I put that on an ass. I put that on my mama. I'm all about the almighty. F working for Whitey. I'ma live love until they indict me. See, I got these feds breathing down my neck. You think I got time to mess around with rhymes and business you? These are real facts you're listening to. You probably won't hear it till you're dead and your family's missing you. I used to be on the same bullshit. You know, my rhymes could have that. My rhymes could have this. Bogus motherfuckers take notice. The jigger forever like cops, guns, I stay loaded. About my paper, I run with international players. Fuck if you haters. No conversation, just a bunch of see you laters. So that was on... Scoop B Radio. Actually, um... Can't Knock the Hustle. It was on that beat. That was originally some of the lyrics on there, but he ended up using it for something else. But that was on the snippet tape. We were handing it out. And I was like, yo, this is pretty good. You know what I mean? Because coming through to a to a to a new label, you know, you're handing out promotional items and stuff like that. You listen in, you're like, you know, all right, this is cool, or ah, this is so so. But I was listening to that snippet tape. I was like, yo, I kind of like this. I want to hear the rest of these songs. I can't wait to hear it. So by the time I continued being there more and more and more often. I got familiarized with the song. So when I finally heard them in their entirety, I was like, yo, this is actually really, really good work. And this is back in 96. You know what I mean? So this was around the times of, of lyricism. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to be a lyricist. And I was like, yo, this guy is spitting. And I was always a Jay-Z fan, even from before then. You know, I was a, a Jay-Z fan from... Uh, can I get open? And then eventually in my lifetime, the song, and then my biggest, which I consider his greatest work of all time in my lifetime, the Jazzo remix. Mm-hmm. What's the meaning? What's the meaning of life? It's the thought of a ride to make my eyes wide. I thought that song really embodied who Jay-Z is and kind of gave the world a blueprint who Jay-Z would be, mm-hmm. of, you know, what, what his aim was in this game, in the street game, 
and in any other game that he involves himself with, I think that song was sort of like the catalyst. So I was already a Jay-Z fan, but then when I heard the stuff on the snippet, I was like, oh, this is like incredible stuff. This is up there to me. It was up there with Big. It was up there with Nas. And, and back then, there wasn't too many people that were going to be in the same. You know, it's almost like like you with sports. It's like saying, you know, a, a new player comes along. You're like, wow, this guy is so good. I put him in the same category as Mike or, or Kobe or now LeBron. Like, that's that's rare for a, a, a kind of a rookie or, or maybe a journeyman that's finally got his shot in the league to be like, yo, this guy's on par with them. So I was very much a fan of his. And then the album started coming together little by little. There was no um, Brooklyn's Finest at that point. So he was working on that. That was supposed to be him by himself. So I remember listening to to Brooklyn's Finest with him, Dolo, on it. Um, and then, you know, as, as time went on, I got closer with the people in there because the environment was so different. It wasn't like a label because he owned it and Damon owned it and Biggs owned it. It was more like a street environment. It, it felt like we were hanging out on the corner more so than I was going to uh, conduct business in a, in, in a, in a music entertainment business setting. When, when you get, get to that point, you know, as higher you go, you realize, okay, these people are more business. Whereas, you know, at the beginning of Rockefeller, it was more like I was hanging out with my friends and they took a liking to me. And uh, at the time I was very, like frustrated in life. So I was very um, aggressive, screaming out, yelling out, and they accepted that. And that's something that wouldn't have been accepted had he been on a record label. You know, I would have been kicked out a long time ago, but instead, I, I guess, you know, looking back now, I, I think it spoke to to their kind of mentality at that point too. They, they felt like I felt. I was frustrated and, and at the world and I felt a, a, a lack of acceptance. And I guess, They've always felt accepted because, you know, they're cool like that. But as far as the music business was concerned, they weren't getting that acceptance. So I guess in a weird way, I became sort of like the rally crier for for, for the label. And, um, you know, at the time, I was also watching a lot of gangster movies. So I was incorporating mm -hmm. a lot of those characters while I was being aggressive. And I, I think he's a big fan of those movies himself. And he, he saw something in me that I didn't realize that I had. And then the momentum started to, yo, yo, you got to let that kid start off the album, man. You got to let him, let him be on the album, doing the crazy stuff that he's doing here at, at, at the record company. So you said a few things. Scoopy Radio joined by the one and only pain in the ass. Make sure to check out Scoopy Radio on all streaming platforms. Number one, I want to take a step back. You gave me the alternate lyrics to Can't Knock the Hustle. Yes. What or who was the catalyst to make him change those lyrics? Well, see, one thing about the greatness about Jay-Z is uh, it, it, there was Dead Presidents 1 and then there's Dead Presidents 2 as well. Like, I think he's such an artist, number one. You know, besides all the trimmings that he has around him meaning you know he's got the style he's got he's, he's got the clothes he's got it's just the business acumen he's cool but at the very heart of jay-z it's the talent and as an artist as a talented artist you do a piece of work and after you do it you forget about it and you move on to the next thing but then that work becomes glorified it becomes big 
you're not satisfied with it. I, I could do that better. Uh, you know, this is this could be better done. So hence, Dead Presidents won, which is classic. And then come to uh, closer to when the album finally drops, says, no, 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 I want to switch it up. I got something new for that. You know, that was the old Dead President. I want to put on the new Dead President. So I think with Can't Knock the Hustle, uh, there was no Mary at the time. So um, mm. it was just Jay. And, you know, this incredible beat that nobody did, famous nobody, but this is the real nobody. Uh, he, shameless um, plug. Yes, shameless plug. Um, that's that's me too in the streets. That's what they call me. There goes the shameless plug. Um, but nobody did this incredible beat for Jay. And at the time, I guess those lyrics that I just quoted are a little bit aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's more of a battle rap, if you will. It's more letting you know, like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're this way, I'm this way. And his whole thing at that time was, I'm on the inside looking out, you're from the outside looking in. So that battle rap was more like, you know, I used to be like you on that same BS. You know, my rhymes could do that, my rhymes could do this. I don't care about that no more. You know, like a cop's gun, I stay loaded. I'm all about the paper. So, you know, it was more aggressive where when Mary got on it now and did that um, uh, Michelle Morgan uh homage you're taking up this time who do you think he he heard that hook and said okay let me switch it up because this is more now to me you know can't knock the hustle always seemed to me like a dreamy song like it's like a like a dream almost her singing on the hook you know this is kind of like not an unknown artist but it's a new artist at the time and, and you have mary on your hook it's a big deal back then and, and, and even now to have Mary on your hook and you're kind of like not really as popularized as he is today so he switched it up and the song is like a dream you ain't having it good me neither let's get together make this whole world believe. he more made it of an anthem of I'm coming now you know pause I'm, I'm coming to the game I'm, I'm, I'm in this game now I left the streets I had whereas the first can't knock the hustle those lyrics I'm saying that I quoted before was from a perspective of a person who had one foot in the streets and one foot in the music game. Whereas um, part two or the one that the world would eventually hear was all in, you know, putting all your chips on the table. Like I'm in this game now, like I don't do that anymore. More like Carlito. And that's why I always, that's why I always uh, attributed Jay to Carlito. And that's why most of the skits that I do on his, on his projects are Carlito inspired because he always reminded me of Carlito Brigante from Carlito's way, the Al Pacino um, character that's played in that famous movie. And, uh, you know, he just said, that's it. I'm, I'm done with that world. I'm coming just like, with the club, with Carlito's with his club, because I got this club now and I don't do that anymore. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going all in. So, and I'm out, you know, I'm out of, I'm out of the game. So I always felt that with Jay, that he was a, a person that now is out of that game and is, looking to take over this game and obviously we see 27 years later that's absolutely what he did black album the allure song the allure of the games keeps calling your name and right. he actually made a reference to carlito he says starring rolling carlito's way yeah. you and the ad-libs ad-libs excuse me um were genius um the tony montana references and more um you said that you were encouraged to do that. The very first thing you hear, your voice on the Black Album, or excuse me, on Reasonable Doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, 
How did it just make sense? Was it you heard the song and then you did the ad lib? Did you do the ad lib first and then like how did that whole process take place? Well, the, the funny the story is a funny story. It's kind of a long story, but if it's okay, I'll, that time. I'll, I'll, I'll try to condense it down as, as much as I can. Uh, back in the Scooby summer of '95, um, my mother died when I was very young. I was 12 years old. So uh, and my father remarried when I was two. They they you know my mother and father divorced when I was two. So. I was living with my sister. My sister became my guardian. And in that summer of 95, it was just her and I, we got into a major fight. And she, you know, you're young. You're like, what am I, like 16, 15 at the time. She kicks me out of the house. So I have nowhere to go. So I end up staying with my friend. You know, my friend is like best friend lets me sleep over his house. It's summertime. And, um, you know, his mom was like, all right, cool. He could stay for a few weeks, but then he has to make up with his sister and go back. You know, we can't have him here. So it was summertime and uh, we would hang out all night. You know, here we are 15, 16 years old. We're on the block hanging out and we're here with other friends and they start talking about the movie Scarface. Mm. You know, it's like three, four in the morning on the block and they're like, yo, they're quoting lines from the movie to each other. And I'm sitting there puzzled, baffled. I'm like, hey, well, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? It's like, yo, we're, like they looked at me like I had 10 heads. They're like we're doing Scarface, man, what? You don't know what we're talking about? I was like, yeah, I think so. It's a, that movie where I say hello to my little friend or something like that. He's, yo, you never seen that movie? I was like, nah, I've never seen it. He goes, oh, man. He goes, yo, do me a favor. Since he's sleeping over my house, lend us the movie so he can watch it for the first time. And the friend that was quoting the lines with, with my other friend said, no way. I watch that movie every single night. Back then, it was a double tape. This was VHS. This is pre-DVD, pre-streaming, Netflix. This is when you had to have the, the VHS tapes and there was two of them. So he tried to negotiate with, at least lend us one of the tapes. You're not going to watch both of them. Lend us one tape so you can watch. He's like, nah, nah, man, I, I stay up all the way till the end and I put in a new one uh, cartridge. But, you know, what I could do is I'll lend you Carlito's way. It's basically like the same thing. He'll love it. So my friends that I'm staying with say, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, let's do Carlito's way because you'll like that movie too. So we go to his house. And we start watching it. He falls asleep. You know, I'm sleeping on the floor. He's sleeping in his bed. I'm obviously I have nowhere to go. I'm like, if you will, homeless at the time. So I'm I'm just watching the movie, and I'm I'm looking back constantly to you know, have a reaction from him. And at first he's all excited, and about a half an hour later into the movie, I, I look back. He's 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 fully asleep. So it's just me <laughs> in this movie. It's me in this movie, and I end up watching the whole thing in its entirety. And then I rewind it and watch it again and again. And I ended up watching like five times in a row. Um, the next morning or afternoon, because it's already late, uh, I said, yo, that was an incredible movie. Thank you for letting me, you know, watch that. I said, you, you know, my favorite part is when he goes, okay, I'm reloaded. You know, this is now I'm doing like, what you think you like me? And he goes, he looked at me and he said, um, yo, man, that's a terrible impression you're doing of him. Man. You shouldn't even do that. You don't even sound nothing like him. Now, hip hop is funny because hip hop is all about taking a negative and flipping it into a positive um, constructively, you know, without violence, without all of just saying, you know, Scooby him saying that to me really, really pissed me off that I don't sound like him. And it made me want to do it even more to people just to tick them off. So he kind of prepped me. So by the time I got to Rockefeller, I was looking to piss people off with this impression, and little did I know that Jay-Z would be a huge fan of that movie and like it, and Damon, and especially Biggs, 
they would have me in their office, like just doing lines all day. Meanwhile, I was supposed to be uh, putting away uh, boxes and, and, and getting people drinks from the store. I'm in Damon's office doing, I don't like folks. You know, everyone's laughing, everyone's going crazy. So eventually when it comes to, to pass that you know, he has to be on the album, I went back and I watched Scarface. Now that I perfected, in my mind, Carlito's way, I wanted to see Scarface. So there was this one particular scene that I liked where Tony Montana, the the, the character, is kind of on the come up. You know, he just came from Cuba, and but he's washing dishes and they're about to meet with these big time people that are going to connect them into that world that he would eventually take over. And he's talking to him. Ah, I see. Okay, okay. All right. Big man. You want some big box, huh? Let's see how tough you are. You know something about cocaine? Diga, man. What, you kidding me or what, man? There's a bunch of Colombians coming in Friday. New guys. They said they got two keys for us openers. Pure Coke at the Miami Beach. I want you to go over there. And if it's a say it is, you pay them, you bring it back. You could do that. You make five grand. Meet at Bodegas. Noon Friday. You get the buy money then. Oh, and Chico, if anything happens to the buy money, eat seat. JG's going to stick your heads up your ass as faster than a rabbit gets fucked. So I just loved that monologue. I felt like Scoop he was radio. talking to Tony Montana, but I was like, how dope would it be if it was like I was talking about Jay-Z to the whole music business? Like he's written for people. He's already been bubbling. Everyone knows who he is. So it's like, you're going to be working for me. You know what I mean? And I wanted to kind of paint that picture with with that monologue that i saw and i noticed in hip-hop a lot of the beats that we like were inspired or taken from older beats that were already done in the 70s and 80s you know they they, they remake them but they put a hip-hop twist to them you know they take the break beat of it so i said okay i'm gonna be like a producer would be i'm gonna be like dj premier or i'm gonna be like what kanye's i'm gonna take the best part of a song and i'm gonna flip it just with the break beat so the MC can rhyme to it. And it's going to be a dope beat. You know, bad, 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 bad boys. You know, that's all remake of old mm. you know, beats that we were kind of familiarized with, too. Our parents heard that music. So I put my producer hat on for that moment. I was like, oh, wait a minute. My friends are sitting there quoting this movie. How dope would it be if I quote the movie, but on an album? Yeah. And I'm going to pertain it to the artist i'm going to produce a skit for him so that it would kind of like speak to what he feels at that moment without rhyming it sort of a narration like my favorite movie shawshank redemption what's great about that movie is morgan friedman's narration over he's telling the story it goes and andy walked in the, you know he's telling that story and that's what i love about carlito's way too is carlito is talking to you throughout the movie a lot of those monologues that I did on Jay-Z's albums are from his narration part portions of the movie, not him actually talking to anybody. Yeah. He's talking to you, the listener. So here's me in the club. You know, he's not talking to anyone. He's talking sort of to you. So that's what I wanted to do on Reasonable Doubt. I wanted to talk to you, the listener, and then the action scenes would come on, which would be Jay Ryman. Tell me something. Did you ever meet Al Pacino? I came very close. No, uh, my girlfriend, God bless her, Crystal Mukai. Big shout out to Crystal. Another shameless plug. We always hang out together, us, me, you, and her. Yes. Um, she took me to this, uh, the Godfather um, 
they were doing something, I guess, with Tribeca Film Festival, and we stood next to each other, and but we were about to get introduced by one of these PR people, but then they rushed him into a uh, into one of these vans, and he had to go. So I came that close, wow. but I never actually met him. But uh, I'm very grateful to him because him and his characters that he created or or, or he portrayed changed my life. You know. These movies actually changed my life. I wouldn't be here talking to you right now if it wasn't for that. Very inspirational, very great. And I, I hope he understands the importance and, and, and um, imprint that he left not only on me, but in the whole hip hop community. You know, the movies like Paid in Full, like they're inspired by uh, Scarface, you know, mm. or, or the, the actual people in that movie, which were characters in the movie, but they're actual real people, the Alpos, the AZs, you know, even Jay-Z, they'll tell you they were all inspired by Scarface on a street level. You know, he made you want to go out there and, 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 and do your thing on, on the streets. Cause you wanted to be like Tony Montana. And then eventually those street people that were dwell dwelling in the streets or running around in the streets got into the music business and some of them, some of them became rappers, some of them became behind the scene people, but you know, it, it's all a, a, a chain reaction. And yeah. it stems from that. You, you talked a lot about um, the office um, back in the day. You, you hear people talk about the office. You talk about, or you rather you hear people give anecdotes stories mm -hmm. Um, I, I personally relate to those stories because of my family's businesses in Harlem, sneaker store and yeah. men's shoe store. Where you were telling me, yeah, I remember that. It's 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 a mixture of locker room, office, yeah. uh, corner, uh, corner, yeah, the corner therapy session. There's a yeah. lot that goes into it. Um, what was a typical nine to five day? Well, it's funny now because now it became very famous, this, but this was a regular occurrence on a daily basis at the office. Big shout out to Biggs, Kareem Biggs-Burke, who is now um, on his Instagram. A lot of people repost and go follow his daily quotes. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he'll say something like, you know, don't follow someone, be a leader, you know, and, and people love that. Now, we had a bulletin board when you first walked into the office that you can write with, you know, a marker. And on a daily basis, it would start off with Biggs' quote. So mm. this is not new. And nobody knows this, you know, they, nobody knows about this because it became a thing now on social media with his quotes. But actually that was a daily occurrence in that office. I would come from school. I would, I would, I had, uh, this was my senior year of high school. So I got out early, you know, you start early and you gotta, you get out early. So I would get out like 12 o'clock and I would jump on the train. I went to John Bound High School in Flushing, Queens. I would jump on the 7 train and I would go to the office in downtown Manhattan. So by the time I got there, it was already 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So they had been there probably for a few hours because, you know, we would start like maybe noon. People would float into the office. So while I was there, the first thing I would notice is, you know, what did Biggs write today? What was his quote on that, on that, on that white? chalkboard if you will but it's not chalk it's a marker and mm -hmm. i would tag up something on there i would say you know whatever pain in the ass or i would say something to rebuttal whatever he was saying and, and then uh it was kind of like an intimate setting it wasn't a huge office it was a small office in a very nice location 
in um, the financial district downtown. So it was always packed around that time because it would be lunchtime. So there was a lot of activity going on downstairs. And um, the first office that you would see when you first walk in was my man Ray Ray's office. Now, Ray Ray's office was facing the World Trade Center, which was shadowing over us. It was also very um, like foreshadowing, you know, the, the World Trade Center, the two towers always represented um, power. And uh, that's why, unfortunately, they felt the need to attack it. Is it, it represented excess and, and, and financial freedom and, and power. And it was very telling that his office, the first one you walk into, is, is right underneath it with, with that just like hovering over you. It lets you know, kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on here in this in this setting. Uh, then you as you walk through, there was a couple of other offices. Uh, big shout out to Adrian Vargas, God rest his soul. He was the um, digital director who created the logo of Rockefeller with the bottle, the champagne bottle with the record. He was very big for that. Then you had um, KB Payne, who was the publicist at the time. And then you had the biggest offices in the back, which was Damon's. Damon's was a huge office and kind of a hangout office where we would all be in. And then you had Jay's office right next door. Who, In his office, he had all these um, posters of the movie Heat, Scarface, and like other movies like that, which kind of also ignited me to want to use more of these characters and incorporate it because I saw how much he liked that. You know, that was that was also very telling. So there's a lot of subliminal things in there. They kind of guided me without me even knowing, you know, subconsciously it's there. And I, I feel like, you know, that's very Scoop important to me, like how I was saying about these songs that get remade or me doing these quotes on the album. There's a sense of familiarity. There's a sense of guidance. You're pushed to liking things in life. You're pushed to um, not liking things in life, but it's it's subconsciously there. We just don't see it. So now that I look back 27 years later, you know, the World Trade Center, Two Towers and or these posters were kind of like guiding me to like, you know, do this. It's like a little voice in your head. So do this, say this. This is what this person likes. And you don't even realize, realize it sometimes. And the key to life for anyone listening to this, if you're trying to do something, try to follow those signs as best as you can. I try to see that. Try to see the pattern in everything because there's patterns in everything. I mean, look at you, your story. I mean, I know you. You, you saw the signs, you saw the patterns, how you started when you were young with the Nets and, and, and to lead it to now where you're at and what's to come. You got to follow that path, you know, it's and it's always lit for you. You just have to see it, Scoop you know, B radio. No, that's real. Tell me something. Um, Damon Dash and Jay-Z to me were the Scottie Pippen uh, and and Michael Jordan of um, the industry. Uh, right. the and the artists, uh, but they also doubled in so many different roles because yeah. of the fact that they were in an independent record label, uh, right. in a major or an Indian. Well, Damon, Damon didn't double roles. Damon didn't double roles. Damon quadruple, uh, penta, uh, octa, he octa roles. I mean, I, I gotta give this man credit because like I said, I did show up there like one, two in the afternoon and, um, we had gone out the night before. Every night they were promoting Rockefeller. They would go to the clubs. They would buy buy out the bars. Damon's there. He was buying everybody drinks. You know, I'm I'm 16 years old. I'm I got a champagne bottle in my hand that Damon put in my hand, and he's performing with Jay on the stage. 
till five, four in the morning. Now I go home, I go to sleep and I get to go to school. When I come at two o'clock in the afternoon, Damon had already been in the office. He sure. slept in the office from the night before and he's conducting business and conducting business on behalf of not just Jay-Z, but all of Rockefeller. You know, he's, he's Jay-Z's manager at the same time, but he's also the CEO of Rockefeller Records. So he's doing all this and you know, the man has diabetes, too. He's a diabetic. So, I mean, to see that, like, was very inspiring. And just, and also the Scooby love that he Radio. showed me at that time. You know, he was, he believed in me as well when I was just an intern in there. You know, he didn't have to do that. I remember vividly, I, I, I spoke to you about this before. Like, me and Damon would sit there and we would argue about what we're going to do as far as reasonable doubt is concerned. I'm an intern. I'm not down with the team i'm not i'm just somebody that hands out flyers and stickers and he's sitting there arguing with me about what we should do and like giving me that respect and, and a lot of people confuse damon when damon's arguing with you he's giving you respect mm -hmm. and you know that in re in your own lives because if you really love someone you'll sit there and you will argue with them when you don't care about somebody you're like yeah yeah you're right whatever it's cool it's cool but when you care about something, when you care about someone and you give them that respect that you will sit there and actually argue your points with them. And sometimes you grow from that argument. You learn from arguing with someone you love. Because they're going to make points that maybe or they're going to put something in a perspective that you didn't see it. So I know Damon gets a, a bad rap sometimes, you know, because he one of the smartest people I've ever been around in my whole life. Damon Dash. Smartest business-wise or you know and he's so versed in, in other things too he's just he's great he's one of the greats and look at that you paired two greats together like how you said uh it could be pippen and jordan or it could be jordan and lebron yeah. i mean it's like or, or it could be jordan and 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 magic or bird like it's more of a dream team than it would be the bulls or or, or a uh or or an nba team I compare it more to a dream team because not only did you have Damon, you had Irv. Irv was there. You have Tata there. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You have Beehive. You have Biggs. Look how smart Biggs is. So you're, comp you're, you're combining some of the greatest minds of that era to try to put together a project. It's almost like, you know, The Apprentice or something like that, 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 that Donald Trump show or something like that. How can we put together these minds and like now you have a task to do? I think they would have done great at anything they, they did. It wasn't just the music business or 
Rockefeller Records. You put them together to construct something, they would have done it at that time. Because that's how on point everybody is and was, especially at that time. When Jay and Dane went their separate ways, but split the the, the company 50-50, the perception by media and consumers versus the people who were in it, how did they differ? Well, I mean, uh, you know, everyone thinks it was like a a falling out or something like that. You know, I've seen them at the beginning, you know, not the very beginning because they got together like a 94 Clark Kent put them together. But I was there when they were just doing business together and, and both had a common interest to, to blow up Jay and then blow up this label. And it was nothing but love. And they, they both thought very much alike and still do, you know, they were both on the same plane, you know, they, they, they and Damon had as much passion for Jay than anybody. So uh, I could only compare it to that friend that I was telling you about that, you know, let me see that movie, Carlito's Way. I've never been around someone that wanted something for me more than I even wanted it for myself. He was pushing so hard. His name is Tenza. Big shout out to Tenza. Um, He just wanted it so bad for me that he made me want it really bad for myself. And that's the only thing I could compare Jay and Damon to. Like Damon wanted it for Jay maybe more even than than Jay thought he wanted it for himself. You know what I mean? He was pushing hard and harder. So I think as time went on and you actually gain that, you actually garner what you were searching for, very much like sports where you do have a Pippen and a Jordan and then eventually you do win your championships. Now what? You know, now what do we do from here? I want to be this thing I or, or, or maybe even Shaq and Kobe, you know, they finally won their, their, their three-peat. Now Shaq goes out and goes to Miami and wins one with Wade, and then Kobe stays and wins two with, with Gasol. But still, that nucleus of them winning one together, you know, or fighting to win one, and now you finally did it, now you win another and another, it's like, okay, now what? Scoop you know, we B did Radio. It. We embarked on what we wanted. So I don't think it was a falling out or, or you know, I hate you or nothing like that. Jay is 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 uh, Damon's son's godson, godfather. I'm sorry. So I mean, they're always connected, you know. And and I don't think that there was a falling. I think that's the biggest misconception or perception. I'm sorry, uh, of that story is that you know they're not cool or something like that. As we see, you know, Jay shotted Dame out in his Hall of Fame induction speech. He said, "We may not always see eye to eye, but you know, I can't deny your your part in that story. I can't deny your." your your greatness and and what you what you did to aid me in being here and he's very much part of that and i felt that too when when he got inducted into the hall of fame i felt like i was going in there as well you know what i mean yeah which i was asked to be part of but uh, unfortunately I, I couldn't make it you know big shout out to quest love quest love gave me a call and uh, it was like yeah, we need you for this um hall of fame induction because uh unfortunately due to covid it was all different now you know usually the hall of fame inductions just like in sports is a very big deal it's a big ceremony um someone enshrines you which i mean let you know actually gives a speech to to get you in and there was talks it was going to be obama but then it ended up being dave Chappelle. thank god um <laughs> and uh that because he did a great job i mean obama would have done a great job too but uh then after that 
an artist comes up and does interpretation of your work. So you'll have, let's say, you know, if the Beatles get in, in, inducted or the dogs, you know what I mean? Um, somebody will come up that's huge at the time, like, uh, you know, who's big now? The Foo Fighters, and they'll do an, an inspired set of your work. And then you come out, give your speech, and then you perform all your work. So it's it's like a nice little setup. But unfortunately, at the wrong time, you got uh, inducted because it was right after COVID. They, they scratched all that. And in lieu of that, they were going to do a video homage of these people quoting his lyrics. And big shout out to Questlove. He said, I want you to do your skit, you know, the skit that you do on there as part of the homage. And I felt, you know, very um, touched that he had, like of all the things, I mean, you have all these A-list of Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Regina Hall, Obama, Beyonce quoting Jay's lyrics to him. Like, you know, I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. And then in there, Pharrell ends up saying my part. Okay, I'm reloaded. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, it's funny because that's not one of his lines. You know, that's not his, his lyric but it's very much associated with his career. And that's an honor to me, you know, to be associated with that, with that man's career. And not only that, but just him in general. Over, that, the, that did. over the years, you have replicated that in other music. I've remembered you being on Memphis Bleak's album. I remember you being <laughs> on work with um, Fabulous as well. Fabulous was not part of Rockefeller. However, being from Brooklyn and mm-hmm. being adjacent to Jay uh, through Rock Nation and more, uh, it only makes sense that that continued. How were you approached uh, by Fabulous about doing that? Oh, well, Fab was managed and was still his man, or I don't know now, but uh, he was managed by um, Desert Storm, which is uh, Clue, DJ Clue, Webb, uh, Nitty. Um, you know, all of them. So they're very much in the camp. You know, they're always around. So, you know, we're working with this new artist. At the time, he was new. And, um, you know, he has this song that he's doing, like, Scarface in it. You know, it's like the bad guy. He was talking like he's the bad guy. He goes, there's no one else that could do that but you. So, uh, again, I was honored to be part of that because when I heard the song, I'm in the studio. I'm like, yo, this, again, like with the snippets, like, this is incredible work. You know who is this guy? Like, yo, this is Fab. You know, this is the next one. And um, when I did it, I laid it down, and then you know, I started listening to some of his work when the album came out. Album also came out on September 11th. You know, of of, of 2001, the day the towers fell, same day that the blueprint came out, which again, like I said, was foreshadowing because the office was right at the bottom of the World Trade Center two towers. So it was always weird to me that. You know, Jay's album drops on that day and, you know, the old the office at the time they, they already left, but the office was there. It, w- it was officially, you know, now called Ground Zero. And that's really what it was at the beginning of Rockefeller. It was it was, it was Ground Zero in the metaphoric way, like it was the zero. And then we were working our way up from there. And now it officially became known as Ground Zero, unfortunately due to those terrible events. So, you know, those, again, the signs, the subconscious, how everything is connected. September 11th, towers, the office, everything is kind of like together. So, you know, when I when I heard that, 
after that day, because obviously nobody was listening to music that day in New York, um, you know, I finally got around to listening to, to the project. I was like, this guy's incredible. I love this fabulous. You know, this is dope. And then I really liked the song that we did together. It was a good song. Uh, you know, and now eventually he took it to the next level, took it to the next level and just became bigger and bigger and became a huge star in his own right. So, you know, that's 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 an honor working with him. What are one or two things um, that you'd like to do? Uh, we're joined by Pain in the Ass, Scoopy Radio, all streaming platforms. What are one or two things that you'd like to do um, <laughs> professionally? <laughs> professionally um, in this music space or even in voiceover space with all of the success that you've had over the last 27 years? What, what I like to do is I like creating uh, characters. You know, so I always, uh, like I said before in one of your interviews, I always fashion myself like a producer, yes, but also more like a graffiti artist, you know, just to take it back to the, the elements of hip hop. You know, this is the 50th anniversary of hip hop. So uh, graffiti to me was always very, very important growing up. You know, I, I loved just the whole persona of a graffiti artist. Here's a person that gets his ups and you see it tagged all over the place, but you don't know who that person is. You know, you just know him by his tag. And um, with his tag, they add a little character to it. So, you know, um, back in the early 90s, I remember um, we had these shirts that we were wearing. It was Black Bart. It was Bart Simpson, but he had like dreads. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, it was cool. It was cool. I like that. So graffiti incorporates that where they let it take like Tweety Bird and he'll have like a gun in his hand. Or you'll have like Woody Woodpecker and he's like pecking away at the guy's name in the tag. And I'm like, yo, that's so cool because that's really what I like to do with my voice. I consider my voice to be that. I'm going to get my ups. I'm going to let you know it's me. I'm going to do some gangster, but I want to alter the voice so you don't know it's me. I want to be like a graffiti artist. I want to switch it up. I want to do something out of the box. And I love doing that in the studio. I love becoming something else or someone else and doing a skit incorporated in there that pertains to the artist I'm working with. And my favorite part would be because I'm a perfectionist and I and I sit there and I could go for hours and hours trying to do this is when I get out of the studio or the booth and I get into the control room and I turn off all the lights and I listen to myself and I say to myself, does this sound like the characters I want? And my aim is to get to a point where I scare myself like, oh shit, that doesn't even sound like me anymore. That sounds like from a movie or that sounds like this character or that character. That is my favorite part of doing what I do. And I love when I hear from the artists say, yo, this sounds like a movie. Like you just inspired me to, to want to go do something. Radio. Before we get out of here, who is on your Mount Rushmore of lyricists, past and present? Um, lyricists or like artists? Your world, we just live in it. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, you know, one person that really doesn't get mentioned a lot, but to me, it's hands down, one of the great KRS one, you know, knowledge reigns supreme, you know, above almost everyone. Uh, I, I love KRS one. I just, just growing up, he was just his voice, what he's saying, the message, powerful. So I got to put him up there as one. Uh, obviously, big, you know, Biggie's up there. You know, uh, I heard an interview that Bleak gave once. We're saying. 
Big was the only one that rhymed every word, you know. Me and Gunna had two spots, two for five. Dollar hit the blue tops. Gotta go. Like he didn't rhyme, like how how um normally you would rhyme where you just the last two words rhymed. Like he made every word in the sequence rhyme, which is crazy. That's insane. So I, I have to put him up there. You know, obviously Nas. You know, Nas did stuff that no one ever did. No one ever rhymed about being a gun and, and and painted such a vivid picture, you know, where he compared himself to actually being a gun. No one, and maybe someone has done the gun thing, but no one, no one has ever rhymed the story backwards, rewinded it for you, like in those VHS tapes, because I, I vomit out the, the, the ice back in the cup. I go I put back on my drink. Like he, he rewinded the story. That's some uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Twilight Zone type joint. No one's doing that. So he has to be up there. And of course, then, you know, lastly, to me is obviously I'm biased. You know, I'm always going to say Jay is up there. That would be my fault. You had Biggie, Jay-Z and Nas all on that Mount Rushmore, which I appreciate. Um, Memphis Bleak told me that the verses would not be valid because Nas did not have enough tracks. I'm not going to hem you up, but I am going to ask this question. Mm -hmm. Do you, if not, if not Nas, if Jay were to do a versus, then who? Well, I I would say I want to see a versus of Jay and Nas, but not your catalog. I always said this. I don't want to see their catalog against each other. I want to see the final bout which, you know, the, the, you know, the main event. I want to see Reasonable Doubt against Illmatic. That would be a versus for me, not the catalog, not, you know, what you've done and, and what he's done. Give me the Bibles against each other. Give me Illmatic against Reasonable Doubt. That would be my versus. Them perform strictly that work and see, because that's always been the argument. And God rest Biggie's soul. He's no longer here. You know, Ready to Die is up in that category. But as far as the greatest works of all time, Nomadic is, is up there, and so is Reasonable Doubt. And if you're going to have a versus of them too, that's what I want to see. Who's winning? That's a, that's a very, very difficult one. But, I mean, to, you know, of course, you're asking a guy that starts off one of the albums. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will be that little missing piece that 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 that, 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 that puts us over the edge. That I'll, I'll I'll lay down that bunt, or that I'll, I'll give the assist, the alley oop, so, so so Jay can slam it. But I mean, the only reason I, I like it, I like the the battle, is because it's also an eras thing. It's also a generational thing, you know. As far as like you're, you're having '96 against '94, which are two big years in hip hop, and you also have the production, which is from that time, and the production from that time is very. Um, distinct uh they both have premiere mostly on it premiere is on both those albums so you're having those beats which is one of the the biggest gripes with nas is that after that he always you know didn't really chose choose the best beats but on illmatic he certainly did because you had an all-star team of producers you know your large professor you have uh premiere you had uh pete rock and then of course q-tip Whereas here on um, Reasonable Doubt, you have three joints from Premiere, but it's mostly Clark Kent and a lot of it ski influenced. So, you know, you're getting kind of like, 
directors, different directors. I, I, I kind of compare it kind of like Scarface and Carlito's way in a weird way. You know, it's the same kind of concept, but it's a different version of it. So um, whereas Nas would be like Scarface, the movie, up and coming, you know, trying to make it and then finally doing it and, and, and living large, whereas in Reasonable Doubt, Jay is more Carlito. You know, I'm out of that game now. You think that game is cool? That's that's not what you think. It, it, I'm trying to get into this game. I've already been there, done that. So it's like two different um, points of views of the street. And, and and like I said, it's considered two of the greatest albums of all time. But I obviously, and I'm sure people would argue with me, but I would give the edge to Jay only because, you know, he's been there, done that mentality uh, works well. It meshed well on that album. You know, you know, that's the clip, right? Right there, right? Right there. That's the one people are going to talk crap about me. Like, that stupid asshole. What the fuck is he talking about, man? First of all, he don't know nothing. He don't know nothing. He just did the voices on this. So now he thinks he's an expert. How about you? Let me ask you, what What do you think? Who do you think wins in that versus? Not Nas versus Jay-Z. Illmatic versus Reasonable Doubt. Well, you know, I'm partial too, damn it. You know, I'm going to say Jay. Yeah. Um, uh, can I ask you? Like, can you ask you why you think he would win in that battle of that? Because I feel like part of the difference between Illmatic and Jay in that two-year span is, even though '96 was Jay's first album, he had a whole life experience mm-hmm. when he put pen to paper before then. And not to say Nas didn't, but I feel like Jay approached Reasonable Doubt from an executive level before he was given an executive title, and so his right. delivery was already from from that perspective of role player, star player, coach, GM, president, and star player all at the same time. I feel like the Illmatic album was all I don't want to take away from Nas's greatness, but but I but however, I feel as though he came in as the artist and did what he needed to do. The business aspect and the and the music the music the the, the music showmanship mm-hmm. is is what I appreciated most about Reasonable Doubt. Right, right. The presentation too, and this, and and what he was trying to tell. I mean, you know, it's funny because it's very similar. In the albums are very similar. You have the intro, you have my intro, and then you go straight, and then you have his intro, which I love too. Dun, dun. You know, he's just talking. You're gonna do this shit. You know, he goes, you're going to have a medal. He took a scene from a movie. Right. And he started off. So it's it's kind of similar, similar beginning. Then you have Can't Knock the Hustle. And then mm-hmm. he goes into New York State of Mind. Which one of those two do you do you favor out of those two? First ones. First I, think, I think New York State of Mind is, is... It crossed over more at the beginning. I feel like Can't Knock the Hustle... You had to go back and appreciate it. So, in other words, time has revealed it to be because I, I, I do that all the time. Like we, yes. argument, like we were talking about before about being, you know, with with the Bill Walton interview that you recently just did, where they can go hear that, which is a very great interview. You talk about how he believes that Danny Age belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, I have this argument all the time with, with, with Crystal, where we talk about you know the year nineteen ninety four, the Oscars. Um, they, they they had the for the best motion picture Forrest Gump uh, and Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction they were all in the same category and they gave it to Forrest Gump 
And I thought it was a great movie. I love that movie. And they also gave the best actor to Tom Hanks, who had just won the year before for Philadelphia, when in the same category, you had Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins for Shawshank Redemption and John Travolta for Pulp Fiction. Now, at the time, I felt, yes, that's very deserving. I love Forrest Gump. And I think um, Tom Hanks did an amazing job. But as the years have gone by and that movie, Shawshank Redemption, has grown on me and I've gotten older and I understand it more, I think that's the biggest robbery of all time. Because time has revealed the greatness of that movie. At that time, the movie tanked in the box office. It was only after repeated play on cable that the movie took on a life of its own. So very similar with those albums. Uh, in 94, uh, Nas's album went gold, which is a big deal at the time. But that's not you know, astronomical numbers. Reasonable Doubt came out and it was in, on an independent label and it did very well for being on an independent, but it didn't really reach platinum status. Mm -hmm. It was until years and years later that you go back and you say, you know, oh, Jay-Z becomes bigger and bigger and, and, and it becomes more successful that you go back and listen to it. Yep. You know, they said the same thing about, um, you know, to get very religious on you, but they say, said the same thing about Christ at the time of his death, you know, uh, back in the year 33, after he resurrected and came back, they wanted to go back in time and say, who was this man? You know, after he showed his greatness, they go back to the beginning and say, all right, well, well how do, where, where is he from? How did he get born? And they, they wrote the Bible because of that, because they wanted to know, or, or the New Testament of the Bible. I'm sorry, because there was a whole other Old Testament that, that dealt with Moses and, and everything that went on there. But um, they wrote the Newer Testament of the Bible based on the fact that, you know, who was this man? Was this the prophet that we were waiting for? So I think very similar with, with, with the Illmatic and, and Reasonable Doubt is that it wasn't until after these guys became the magnetic forces that they are that people went back and said, well, well let, let me see what happened at the beginning. You know, I do that a lot with shows. You know, I'll, I'll jump in on a show like The Sopranos or, or something. I'm like, oh, this show is great, but I'm in season three. I'm like, I love the show. And I'll go back and I'll start watching season one and season. I'm like, oh, my God, this is fantastic work. No wonder this show was talked about by everybody I know. But I wasn't up on season one. They were. And it wasn't until I loved season three that I went back and started watching season one. So I think it's very similar with those two bodies of work is that, you know, at the time they did very well on a street level, but it, it, time proved it to be great. And I think that's the one thing about Reasonable Doubt is that as time has gone on, the greatness of that album grows and grows and grows. And especially the fact that they're both doing what they're doing still 27 years later. And in Nas's case, 29 years later, he's, he's still relevant, still coming out with great work, makes the first one, the Inception, even bigger and greater. He gave his sports analysis, his hip hop analysis, and even gave us some religious. Oh, of course, but you know, we—that's where I first learned who you were. On as we've talked about this before on, on the hard knock type, the hard knock life um, tour, a, a DVD where yeah. you had the palms and you know you had that was Ellen Palm Sunday '99. That was I'll never forget that day because my same friend. Big shout out to him, Tenza. He came to the church. Uh, Jay was performing in Long Island in um, Nassau County. 
And I, I, I usually serve the 530 mass at my church, St. Michael's in Flushing. And uh, we were talking radio. on the phone the night before, like, yo, you want to go to this concert, man? You know, I got you got to perform. I was like, nah, man, you know, it's Sunday. It's Palm Sunday. I can't. I can't go. I got to go to church. He was like, yo, what the? You know, what's wrong with you? You crazy? You got to perform. They're waiting for you. I was like, nah, I think I'm going to skip this one. I'll, I'll spot date the next one. So I, I served the mass. I, I went there. I had my palms. And all of a sudden, I turn around. I see this guy who never goes to church at all. And he's there. He's like, yo, you ready? I was like, what, we're leaving now? And he drove me all the way to Long Island. I missed the, the tour bus. And he drove me all the way there just so I can be there that night. And ended up changing my life as well because it got me into that backstage movie where, you know, a lot of people were able to put two and two together and, and know that it's me doing those voices on that album. And as you see, um, my my um, the way I interact with them, you see Jay is punching me. You, know, mm -hmm. that's Jay is. you see Damon saying, oh, I can't take him on tour because he's too crazy, but that's my <laughs> man. But, but, but I love that because it shows you really how they feel about me you know what i mean and, and that's what i love about that 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 that, that was documented the way it was because that's who damon is that's who jay is you know what i mean that playful joking big brothers they just been like big brothers to me and for no apparent reason other than the fact that they liked me you know what i mean on some cool shit and and at that time i really needed that i needed a big brother figure i have no mother and, and I, you know my, my father is not in my life like that. So, and it's just my sister raising me. And it's, it's when you have that as, as a man, as a boy, and you're growing into a man and there's no male figures in your life, you know, th that's something that's, that you lack and your actions throughout your life will reflect that. You know, I was raised by all women and my mother raised me until she died. And my sister raised me, my grandmother was there. There was a, a, a lot of female influence, which was great. But as a boy turning into a man, you need a male figure. And what happens is sometimes in the communities we're from, there's not that many male figures in the house. So we turn to alternate mm -hmm. um, uh, the avenues to do that. And sometimes those men that take us under our wings, under their wings, don't have the best um, kind of uh, the best, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, intentions for us yeah i'm sorry look at that i don't need to speak english no more the best intentions for us you know and you know that uh, here i got so blessed that these guys did they did have the best intentions for me you know and and like i said created a career for me that i didn't even know was 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 there for me or, or accessible or available to me Scoop and thank radio. god for that i always thank god for bringing them to my life and bringing me around them damon biggs jay Tata, um, Beehive, and Tenzer, you know, these uh, Ray Ray, all these people that he brought around that were able to teach me valuable lessons, not about the music business, not about rapping, and not about Rockefeller, but about life, you know? That was, that was the best. And that's what reasonable doubt means to me. That is a documentation, and then that's like the Bible of what they were trying to teach me. You know, stop being stupid. Stop doing stupid things. I remember Damon throwing me in his office, punching me on my arm. Like, you stupid, man. You're messing everything up, you know? They paid for me to go to college. You know, I graduated from, you know, I graduated high school on June 25th, 1996. Mm -hmm. The day Reasonable Doubt came out. Now, I graduated from high school that day not knowing what I was going to do with my life. Right. 
I was going to be another statistic or I was, you know, really kind of going down a, a path of, of, of nowhere. And it was, it's very also with the sub subliminal situations. I graduate that day and that album that I start off comes out that day. And it was like a double graduation. I graduated school and then I graduated into the game and, you know, they asked me, what are you going to do with yourself now? And I was like, I don't know. Was well, you better go to school? I was like, I don't got money. You know, I don't got money like that back then. What am I going to do? We'll pay for you to go to college. And they paid for me to go to, you know, it was community college at the time, but they still paid for me. They gave me that. They gave me education, both knowledge of, of, of the ways of the street and the ways of the music business, but knowledge that I can use for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm always grateful for them, for them, to them for that. 27 years later, standing tall. 27 years later, yeah. Standing Here tall. I am in the back seat of a car after I got pulled over. Look at that. See that? <laughs> All that wisdom, man. Yes, sir. No, yes. no, but I mean, uh, it, it's a very special day. And um, as also like today, you know, today, June 25th, but, you know, I spoke to you earlier, June 19th, Juneteenth. It's, it's also a very special day that years later was acknowledged, but it's always been special. It's just now it's being acknowledged on a higher level. So, you know, June 25th has always been special to me. And now as the years go by, you know, it just becomes more and more of a heightened day for everyone. I mean, obviously, you know, we also lost Michael Jackson on this day. Big shout out to Mike, you know, God rest his soul. And, and I'm very blessed to have been alive to see his contributions to the world at mm -hmm. that time that he did them. Um, but, you know, as far as personally is concerned with this album, the more we distance ourselves from 1996, June 25th, June 25th becomes more and more important every year, every year, every year. Almost like, you know, you know, God rest your mom's soul, my mom's soul, that those days, you, you they stick with you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my mother's date is November 7th. I always remember that date. My grandmother's date is... April 14th. That's a special day. And as time, I mean, it, it started out as a tragedy that day, but as time has gone on, they become more of a special day for me. You know, that's the day that, you know, they, they spiritually became who they are, but they physically left, but more spiritually. Um, March 9th is a big day now, 20, what, 26 years later. When, when was mom's day? February 21st, 2022. So now we're going on year two, but uh, I know it's she's still there with you and she's proud of oh, all that you're doing. And we're all proud of what you're doing. Man. Thank you, you know, brother. These interviews and, uh, you know, this is just it's the, the jump off point. That's all this is. That's There's more in store for school. Of course, more in store for you, too. And I'm trying. I'm trying. We'll see what's up. You know, I've been doing a lot of voiceover stuff, so I'm very happy with that. You asked me one of the things that I like. I, I do love doing these audio books that I've been doing lately, which are really cool. And, uh, you know, they call me to do video games, which is also really, really cool. You know, go in there and get into the booth and become these characters while you're seeing it on the screen, you know, animated. You're like, oh, man, this is cool. You know, what am I going to what me as an artist am I going to lend to this character of this anime that I see? OK, he's got a little tweaky voice uh, whatever he's like talks like this you know yeah, yeah i want to get my you know or something like that i want to add character to it i want to build on that so wait this is um see in a minute i'm gonna pause there <laughs>
Brother. I okay. love you. I love you too. Thank you for your time. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 